You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning, good morning out there and off the shelf, off the shelf land here on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Rainbow Soul. There are just so many places you can listen to off the shelf, so I want to welcome you. And I always like to pause and thank our listeners who have been with us, our loyal listeners, since day one. We've been on the air now for 16 years. I can hardly believe it, but I want to thank all of our listeners who've been with us all along the way, and we've had phenomenal guests on the show, some which you see on national and international television shows and some which have been, their books have hit the New York Times bestseller list, so in essence bestseller list. And we have another awesome author on deck for you this morning, so we, we welcome you to today's show. And for those of you that might be your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf, I just have to let you know that, yes, you're absolutely listening to the winning book radio show, off the shelf. And before I introduce our guests and go any further into the show, I want to leave this thought with you. And the author of the thought is anonymous, but the thought is don't limit your challenges. Challenge your limits. You know, they say it's all in the mind and our way of thinking. Don't limit your challenges. Challenge your limits. And well, and welcome, welcome, welcome again. This it is beautiful outside. The sun is shining. I see the wind just kind of gently blowing the leaves of a tree outside the window uh, from where I'm doing today's show. But welcome to the first day of August, you guys. This has been almost like a bananas 2020. Let's hope August says, you know, it's going to be gentler and kinder and better. And we know that all starts with us. Before I introduce to you today's guest, I just want to ask you, how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Do you think you can finger the person who's responsible for the murder mystery that cloaks Raymond? He's the star of this story and his friends' lives. If you love a mystery, and I mean a suspenseful mystery, you know, the kind at times you think you really know did it, and if something happens in the story and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure, maybe I'm off on that. And then the suspense builds in the pace of a story, maybe a race scene that gets real, real fast, and you just cling into the edge of the book, just caught up in the story as if the story is all that there is. If you love that type of suspense, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You can get it in ebook or in print. Another thing you'll get from Love Pour Over Me, there are complicated relationships in the book, just as they are in our lives. When Raymond goes to college, he meets his soulmate, Brenda, and she really is his soulmate. But he he's raised by a, a father who has untreated alcoholism, and he's very abusive toward Raymond. Raymond is just, I tell people, women readers love Raymond. They just love him. He is a very gentle guy, but he, he has been, he has trauma that he has to deal with, and it takes him decades to work through it. So you get to see him and uh, Brenda, their relationship evolve. And, and and these four friends that Raymond has that he meets in college, these guys stay friends. You cannot break these five guys' friendship bond. Raymond and his four friends, the, the total for the five guys, and Raymond and his father's relationship as it evolves. If you value that, if you value friendships, if you if you like romance, and I mean a realistic romance that holds up, I, I encourage you. And on top of that, you like a mystery, go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And if you don't, if you see it, want it in a store, you want a print copy, you want to go to the store, you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk to order you a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can get you a copy. But you could also just hop right on online and within minutes start reading the book, Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. And now... Drum roll, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Lisa Erickson. 
Now, Lisa is a chakra energy-based worker, meditation instructor, and a woman who works to help women heal from sexual trauma. Again, that word. And I actually wrote a blog about trauma, but I wasn't even thinking about today's interview when I wrote that blog. But considering that RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, reports that about, that's an acronym, reports that about one in six women in the United States has one in six, just in the United States, has been the victim of an attempted or completed rape. And the National Sexual Violence Resource Center reports that 91% of people who are raped in the United States are women. The work that Lisa does is so needed. We're not even talking about the sex slave trafficking. Oh, my God. Add, add to this the fact that about one in three girls is sexually abused, according to DoSomething.org. This need is clear for the work she does, so I thank her in advance. And Lisa Erickson is also the author of the book Chakra Empowerment for Women, Women's Energetics, Healing the Subtle Body Wounds of Sexual Trauma and Abuse, and the Art and Science of Meditation. I encourage you to check Lisa. Lisa Erickson, you guys, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, Lisa Erickson. Check her out online at ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com, and that's C-H-A-K-R-A-E-M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E-N-T-F-O-R-W-O-M-E-N.com, ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. We are absolutely honored and so appreciative and thankful for her and her work to have Lisa join us on Off the Shelf this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Lisa. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so excited hearing about Raymond and Love Pour Over Me. I just love that phrase, Love Pour Over Me. That's so perfect for what we're doing. Uh, I, You know what the work you do, I'm telling you. I did an interview earlier this week, and we were talking about a, a new novel I'm working on to put more spotlight on this sex slave trafficking it is mm-hmm. it's all over the world you yeah. know a lot of a, a, a famous name would be jeff the jeff jeffrey epstein but th- mm-hmm. it is it, it's shocking how common it is almost like startling is how many things go on in our world that are just hidden under the surface and people don't even know about it so i'm i just thank you again for for your work the first few questions that i'm going to ask you i ask every guest Okay. Because when I started out, I would just go right into the questions 16 years ago, and listeners told me, no, 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 no. Can you give us a little bit, let us get to know the author a little bit before you go right into the questions? So I ask everybody the same four questions just to introduce the listener to the author. So, Lisa, to kick it off, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Well, I was an Air Force brat, so I moved all over. I was born in California, but my family is from the Midwest, but I lived all over the United States. I went to, I believe, nine different schools, K through 12, because my father was in the Air Force. So that, that really shaped my upbringing a lot, moving and needing to adapt to different environments. I do think it made me more energetically sensitive and sort of indirectly played a role in the work that I do now. Interesting. Can you tell yeah. us some of the places that you did live? I, I yeah, I in lived Nation, in, but I was. I was in Northern California, Enid, Oklahoma, Mobile, Alabama, um, New Jersey. At one point, Washington D.C. I was too young to remember that. <laughs> and then Minnesota. Those are the big ones. California and Oklahoma. We were in twice each. So those kind of we moved back and forth a couple times. So really, all over the United States. All different sections of the United States, for sure. And that is interesting. I'm sure you learned a lot because you know what? I've lived, I've lived oddly. I've traveled on the West and Midwest, and I lived in the Midwest and mainly on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And each part of the United States could almost be its own separate country. It's so the culturally almost so mm-hmm. different. The South from the North, and mm-hmm. the and the West. They're just so different. The Midwest is so different. The culture yes. is. And I'm sure you saw that firsthand with all the different areas that you lived in. Now, when you were a kid, Lisa, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
Well, I wanted to be at one point an actress, at one point a veterinarian, at one point I wanted to go into politics. I don't think I ever anticipated what I actually ended up doing. So that's just the way life is sometimes. A lot of different things. I loved animals, so at one point I wanted to be a veterinarian. I also loved the arts, so I thought maybe I wanted to be a dancer or actress. I also was really interested in social justice as I got older, so I thought maybe I wanted to go into politics. So I jumped around a lot when I was young. Interesting. Who or what, and and you've written three books, who inspired that, The you know, you, you your books, are nonfiction and they deal with topics that are that help people to heal, which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. during today's show. And hopefully, some of our listeners can maybe get a breakthrough. But who or what inspired you to pursue writing? Writing is work. Who mm-hmm. who inspired you to pursue writing, and what birthed your love for books? Oh, I've always been a huge reader, although I do read mostly fiction. That's why it's so interesting. I do read a lot of nonfiction, too, but I really am a very avid reader and have been my whole life. It's like that with my friend when we moved, right? Every time we moved, books were my study place that I could go to, um, you know, curl up with a book and feel safe and comfortable while facing making new friends and all of that kind of thing. So it really, they were my friends. And I think for me, writing really grew out of speaking and teaching and the client work that I do. So I was really a teacher first, and I feel like my writing is meant to be a way of spreading the teachings to people who I can't come into contact with in a workshop, giving them tools to work with. So for me, my writing is really kind of an extension of teaching, but I have such admiration for people who are truly writers first, who can craft language powerfully and tell a story because that's a, that's a whole kind of yeah well as you well know a whole nother kind of writing and i just uh soak that up constantly i'm constantly reading a novel basically oh okay i was <laughs> yeah. a habit book reader and books books do they offer healing because they can lower your defenses you don't it's not like somebody mm-hmm. talking to you some yes. people scared to go into therapy they don't want to deal that's they right don't, they don't want to deal with something to come up. I don't want you to know. Uh, they want to keep something hidden. But the only way to mm-hmm. deal with something is to is to face it. Again, mm-hmm. which I hope happens for some people during the day show. Now, was there an experience, Lisa, that led you to start practicing yoga mm-hmm. uh, post your graduation from Sarah Lawrence College? When you, I mean, that school is a prominent school. When you, when you hear about that, do you what what led you down that path? Yeah. You know, I was working in New York City in technology. I hadn't really found my current field yet. This was over 30 years ago. And I started experiencing very severe stress headaches and stress stomach aches. And I'd had some experience with meditation in a college class. But now a friend really encouraged me to go to a class. And it turned out it was chakra-based meditation, which is just one form of meditation. But it was energy-based meditation. And it really profoundly affected me. I had a series of spiritual experiences after that. I did experience great healing, and it just sent me uh, in this whole other direction that over time led me into the work that I'm doing now. Yoga, yoga. I I remember when I ran track, I did yoga, and one time it scared me. I literally felt my body, like, almost collapse to the floor. Wow. like it was just water or something or just a rag falling to the floor and that scared me. Mm-hmm. But it 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 it's amazing the connection between the body and the mind. That said, That's right. can you tell and I've never heard of this. So I'm like interested about so much of this interview what you share. But tell us about Kundalini meditation. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. What mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. Well, the chakras are energy centers in our body that uh, relate to our energy body, and there are several different kinds of energy that move through them. Kundalini is the energy that is linked to spiritual experience. So when we have the feeling that we are touched by grace, when we feel ourselves as one, when we feel maybe warmth in our heart, lighting up our heart, all of these kinds of experiences at the energy body level it is a sign of what's called the kundalini, or in Eastern traditions it's called the kundalini, uh, rising up in our energy body. 
So, and any time that we go through big changes in our life, the kundalini is moving in our energy body and at other key points in our life, including for women during perimenopause and menopause, you know, which is another big transit. So the kundalini is really like the energy of change and the energy of spiritual growth uh, in our energy body, and we can learn to work with it in a way where it's, it, it doesn't have to be scary. It's we learn to embrace flow and change and lean into what needs to be released in order for us to move forward. Interesting. So if you don't, this energy, if you don't, learn to work with it could you feel more like pain or yeah. uh, or stiffness in your body what would what would be what are some signs that it's moving and we're not working with it properly and we might need to meditate uh, what yeah. are some signs of that yeah it can manifest as physical symptoms if someone is experiencing a lot of stress and stress symptoms like stomach aches, uh, headaches, high blood pressure, etc. Often working to ground and slow and pace the kundalini can be a good complement to whatever physical health treatment you're also going through because it can be that it's almost like you lock down and resist change. It's like if you tense all your muscles. My daughter's a gymnast, right, and they learn how to fall. You have to learn how to fall because you're going to fall on the way to learning skills, right? Uh, they teach them when they're very young how to relax when they fall, how to relax and roll because you won't get as injured. If you tense up, you're more likely to get injured. It's the same mm. with change in our life, right? If we tense up psychologically, if we tense up physically, we are blocking the flow of the kundalini. We're blocking our own intuitive ability to look at it from a larger perspective and lean into it and grow. Interesting, interesting. Now, you worked... We were, again, talking about your earlier career. You worked as a New mm-hmm. York technology executive while mm-hmm. you were meditating. And I, that, to me, that is unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's like, a good you combination, me? actually. <laughs> New York Tech, New York, first of all, technology, this, this is three separate things. New York City by itself, technology by itself then executives by itself. Yeah. And then you throw in their meditation, it's like, wait a minute. It's almost yeah. like it doesn't even go together. How did you, I have to ask you this, because I think executives, it's so much, I don't care how much they get paid, it's like they can never stop. Yeah. You, you can yeah. never, you just, it's, 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 if they go to the hospital, they're there in the hospital bed working. They're up, there's something at night. They they always have the phone, the iPad. Something is always there. How did you juggle the demands of a corporate job as an executive with the pursuit of peace via meditation? It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, I really, you know, that is what drove me to pursue meditation. Initially, it was for stress management because I wasn't handling the deadlines and the pace. On one hand, I loved it at the time, you know, at that time in my life. I loved technology. I loved the pace. I loved New York City. But it was also killing me slowly, it felt like, right? I had been a very young, healthy woman, but that stress was very difficult. So I had to learn how to relate to my life differently, right? It was either I was going to have to quit at that time, which I did eventually later, you know, migrate into my current field. But at that time, I was either going to have to quit or I was going to have to learn to relate to the demands of my life differently. And that's what meditation can help you do. It's this structured time every day where you are practicing, really sourcing from within. And the reason I like the chakras is because they're like lights inside of you that you're tapping into. They're like a fuel source almost where you are replenishing your energy. And then you go out into the day and you carry that with you and you stay anchored. So whatever is coming at you, you're not just reacting. You can choose your response because you're centered within yourself. So it was really um, the only way I could have done that work at that time was to meditate regularly. Ah, uh, oh, I got to give it to you that you would even seek that out. A lot of a lot of times we seek out uh, a, 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 something to drink, whether it's soda, right. alcohol, mm-hmm. or we seek out a drug or a cigarette, mm-hmm. or, or or we think, oh, I just I need a new relationship, or I need to go mm-hmm. buy something. That mm-hmm. you chose that 
that is interesting to me that there's something in you, like when you started doing yoga and you, I don't know if to you it's like, wow, maybe it's not, but it's like how, how did you, on the path you were on, did you, you chose this yoga and you chose meditation. I just find it really interesting. Now, why did you start studying karate? Lisa, yeah. you are quite <laughs> Yeah, you know, I had been a dancer when I was younger, so I was, you know, very flexible and used to, like, working out regularly, and I got into karate, and it had that mind-body connection, so, it, it, you know, it, it isn't just about fighting, right, at least not in the tradition that I was in, it was very much about connecting with your inner source of power and staying centered, you know, you have a punch flying at you. You have to learn to stay calm and react from your training. All of that was very empowering for me at the time, and it was a great physical transition from dance to move in to karate. So, uh, yeah, it was really mind-body training in that way. Ah, and you, and, and you have to stay focused and mentally, mentally right. sharp. Um, what attracted you? What attracted you to healing for women who suffered mm-hmm. sexual abuse trauma? Why this specific area of healing? Yeah. Well, as I got deeper into my own meditation practice that was chakra and kundalini-based, I became interested in the other branches of work that works with the chakras. So there's meditation techniques, and then there's energy healing. There's healing. So I began to study that on the side, And at a certain point, I started offering women's workshops, and I got very interested in women's life transits, like how does our energy change at pregnancy and menopause. And I was doing a lot of workshops along those lines. But so many women, even higher than the statistics that you named at the start of your show, were coming up to me privately and saying, I was abused when I was a child, or I was date-raped in college, or would, would that impact my chakras? I haven't been able to be sexually active, or I've had these particular health issues, or I'm always uh, stressed out and I feel like it's related to my abuse. Can any of these energy techniques help me? And so I really went on a journey to learn as much as I could at that time. This was almost this was probably 15, 20 years ago when I first started about trauma specifically and energy work and chakra and meditation work for trauma. And I developed my own programs that were specifically for women, sexual trauma survivors. And in my private client work, I do work with men, sexual trauma survivors as well. But my workshops and this book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, I decided to just focus on women because there are some differences often in how men and women, what they need as part of their healing from sexual trauma. So it really was women coming to me, you know, um, and over time I started to believe it's really like a vow that I made coming into this life, almost like a soul contract to do this kind of work because it just seemed to happen um, and I just felt to be felt called to it. Mm, and, and again, I, I thank you. Let me ask you this. Uh, again, with I've, I've heard there are more people actually from not just sexual but work slavery than any time in history. I saw a show and I, I heard it was t- globally 29 million people. And, again, mm-hmm. it's just hidden under the radar. But mm-hmm. from a sexual trauma standpoint, I, I mean, a lot of this stuff was hidden years ago in the 50s yes. and 60s. People didn't talk about incest and child mm-hmm. molestation. And you just didn't hear about it. So you thought everybody just went to church and had this yep. happy home home life and all this stuff going on under the surface. But have you seen with 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 the there's more exposure on these things and you would hope it is helping to reduce the instances. But is it actually is it going is it happening more or is it flattening out or is it happening mm-hmm. less? You know, that's really hard to say at this point. At this point, I feel like we're hearing about it more, so it's not actually happening more. It's just finally coming out of the closet. And, you know, to your point about it not being spoken about in the past, I recently worked with a 72-year-old woman who was inspired by me too, hearing all these women come forward, and I was the first person that she was telling that she had been abused as a child, sexually abused by her uncle regularly for many years and never told anyone, just pushed it aside. And now, you know, and she had, she had worked through it in her life, 
but she felt now there was still healing to do that she wanted to do honestly to prepare herself for death, like she wanted to be fully healed was the way she thought about it. So I think that it has always gone on and it's coming out of the closet, so it just feels like it's more, I'm not sure it is. Um, It's really hard to know those kinds of things, honestly, but I am glad, as painful as it is, that it is being spoken uh, out there in the world so that we can heal it because it, to me, is like a representation of a real problem we have on a deeper level (laughs) around the whole world in terms of our relationship uh, to sexuality and between men and women and power imbalances and all of that stuff. Uh, Yeah, you know, it is good that we have to different things from racism to the sexual abuse, especially when I think of kids who a lot of us see them as voiceless. That's where a lot of the trauma uh, 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 starts. And then, like, the the, the 72-year-old woman, people carry this. They don't even talk about it. They just carry this from year to year to year, and it's in suffering in silence about this due to shame and Oh, my goodness, but thank you again for your work. Could you give off-the-shelf listeners an overview of your book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Your Power, and Finding Your Overall Wellness? Yeah. So in this book, the chakras are energy centers in our energy anatomy, just like we have a physical body and we have a stomach and a heart and our circulatory system. We have an energy body. And it's been taught in many traditions all around the world. And things like yoga and acupuncture are based on energy body mappings. So is Reiki now, which is a form of energy healing that has gotten more popular. But there's really traditions from all around the world that use energy centers. And the chakras are, like I said, like they're the main intersections of energy, and anybody can learn to connect with them. And what I'm doing in Chakra Empowerment for Women is I'm really trying to present a very down-to-earth, accessible way of working with your chakras as a woman. There are seven main chakras in the system that I introduce in the book, and they're aligned from your base of your spine all the way up to the crown of your head. And the first seven chapters walk you through each of those and talk specifically about the kinds of ways that energy might be blocked for you. And That is linked to physical health issues, but also psychological issues. Like if you have a hard time speaking up, you have a hard time saying what you really mean, you have patterns of just people-pleasing people around you to try to stay safe rather than speaking your truth, that is often like a navel chakra, which is related to personal power, and a throat chakra issue. So the book will walk you through exercises from meditations to journaling that you can use to empower that energy center in your body and in your life. And then the last few chapters combine chakras for other things like boundaries, another huge issue for women in particular, uh, how to create better energetic boundaries because we tend to be very empathic, take responsibility for other people's emotions that aren't ours, take on their energy literally into our energy body and our physical body. So learning to work with energy boundaries is really important. So that's kind of the high level. And then each chapter has a section specifically on women's energetics, meaning women's life cycles, and then another section that's specifically on sexual trauma, how you might work with that chakra for healing patterns around sexual trauma. Mm-mm-mm. You know, it's interesting when you hear about the empath, whether it's female or yeah. or male, um, how the empath attracts these negative energies, like a narcissist, the empath yeah. will attract that in yeah. and, and just be just pounded with this and this abuse. It's it's odd how you find a, a, the the match that like your op, the opposite match. So I think what you share in your book is so important: the chakra mm-hmm. empowerment uh, for women. So hopefully you can keep that. Out, out of out of your space, out of your out of your life. Now, can you yeah. tell us about the root bowl? What what yeah. is a, what is the root bowl? This is the first technique in the book, and it is a visualization tied to the root chakra or the first chakra, which is at our tailbone, or we focus at our tailbone to imagine connecting to it. And the root bowl is this visualization where you imagine like the earth is sending you up a supportive bowl of red light. 
that it's almost like you're sitting in it and it's offering you protection and it's empowering this particular root center. And then when you're doing that particular exercise, which is outlined in the book, and there's also recordings on the book website that go along with the book, you're saying affirmations that are about feeling safe in your body. Literally, like, I feel I am safe and present in my body. I feel present in this moment. And you're bringing your awareness down, down, down. Because when we're stressed or anxious, our energy is going up, 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 up. We're usually spinning in our head. We have tension up in our shoulders and our neck. So working with the root bowl is a way of energetically bringing all your energy down. And this particular chakra is linked to feeling safe in our body. It's very important for everyone in this day and age because I think we're all living through such an anxious time. But for sexual trauma survivors or anyone who's experienced any kind of trauma, it's particularly important to counter patterns of disassociation. Um, all those things you mentioned at the beginning, you talked about we may turn to you know, substance abuse or other means of escaping rather than staying present with what's happening in our lives in the moment. And that's what happens with abuse survivors. Often they develop patterns of surviving that got them through abusive episodes. But then it becomes like a pattern and a habit in life of dealing with any anxiety that way. And it limits your ability, you know, to deal with things in your life that you need to deal with. So the RuPaul is about countering that dissociative tendency. It's a tool for helping someone heal that. You know, this just popped into my head, and I, this is something around uh, um, a lot of times when different things happen in our lives, somebody close to us passes or we experience mm-hmm. a, 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 a trauma, it, the guilt shows up. So yeah. this is a question for those who may have experienced a sexual, whether molestation or, or rape or, or they're in an abusive relationship and they don't feel they have the authority to, like, control their own life. Yeah. Why is it you hear people say if they were abused, they felt like they couldn't even do anything? So you, you, and I've heard men say that as well. They're yeah. being molested or abused, and they don't, you know, they don't even move, scream, or nothing. And then yeah. they deal with the guilt later. Why do yeah. people freeze up yeah. when when there's a, a trauma instead of screaming or running or they just freeze yeah. up? Yeah. It is really the body's and the psyche's survival response. You know, we hear about fight or flight, but really there's a third one, which is freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. At some level, uh, some level of your psyche and body goes into, there's, you know, I, I won't walk through all the nervous system, but there's different nervous system responses in terms of how do I survive this, right? The body's imperative is how do I survive? So it's actually a survival mechanism, right? And then after the fact, as you said, someone is often left with these feelings of blame and guilt and self-blame when really it was just a survival technique, right? And those feelings of shame and self-blame then uh, get supported by our culture. In the case of someone who was abused as a child, often their abuser actually implanted those ideas that somehow the abuse was their fault. They were bringing it on, right? So there's a lot of different ways these feelings of shame and self-blame and guilt can get implanted, and they do leave an imprint on our energy body. They're often linked to the, the second chakra, which is kind of puts an emotional uh, lid on things, and the heart chakra, right, our ability to feel worthy, to feel uh, capable and worthy of love. So that is a lot of areas where we need healing as well, really honoring that our body and our psyche did what it needed to do to survive. The blame for the attack is on the assaulter, not you, right? And, uh, you know, replacing that blame where it belongs and rebuilding that sense of self-worth, releasing that guilt and self-blame, releasing that so that you can move more into an emotional sense of worthiness and reclaim your power. That is so important because I think you can still live, and I've seen stories and different people spoken with that on the outside, your life looks so well put together. But I'll hear people say 30, 40 years later after something, an abuse or trauma, they're still struggling with it. It just keeps popping up, popping up, popping up. They think they get over it, and then, poop, here it is again. So to keep doing that work to to push all the way through. 
Now, what's the uh, the sacral lotus, and how do we attain our inspiration? Yeah. So the sacral lotus is the second tool of the book, and these two that you've asked about, root bone and sacral lotus, to me, they are the most important, you know. Um, the sacral lotus for women is for men and women it's located in the pelvis so for women it's associated you know really with the womb right energetically and it's not related to whether you choose to have children or not either way there is a special energy center here that is linked to creative powers to inspiration to it's also as it happens linked to sexuality and sensuality sexuality in the sense that that's that energy is what creates life right so when someone is abused or assaulted their relationship to the energy of this chakra is often blocked and for for both men and women that's a problem but for women it's particularly bad because this is their energetic base the foundation for their energy body. And so shame is one of the main things that can block our relationship to this chakra, Uh, self-guilt and blame, all of these kinds of repressed memories. And that's what trauma is. Trauma is like an inability to fully integrate something, so it, it never completely heals. And then at different points in our life, it surfaces, right? And for women, like that were abused as children, sexually abused, it can be pregnancy, and menopause, these reproductive um, phases can be big triggering times for coming, you know, because they've never kind of come back into a good relationship with their body and their reproductive energy and sexual energy. Those can be times that trigger the trauma resurfacing. Um, but getting back to the sacral lotus, so it is another tool in the book where you're visualizing, in this case, a beautiful flower, a beautiful lotus made of light in this part of your body. And there's a lot of affirmations around owning your right to creativity and inspiration and uh, without shame and sensuality without shame and really viewing that as an expression of a certain part of you that is valued and uh, beautiful. And it's also about healing our relationship to body, like if we have body image issues or ways in which we hate our body working with the sacral lotus is a way of working to heal all of that mm, and again this is work you can we can either go decades and and yep. go so far and then hit that wall again mm-hmm. and then you regress go so far hit that wall again yeah. or we can do the work and break through get a breakthrough now can you share a few signs that we're dealing with hidden wounds. Again, our outer life might seem fine. We, yep. we, we, we keep ourselves up. We exercise. We eat healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. We keep in touch with family and friends, but there's still an issue. Are there, mm-hmm. are there any signs that we are dealing with hidden wounds? Yeah, it can come out in different ways for someone. It might be, you know, kind of chronic anxiety. It attaches to whatever's going on in someone's life. So they always think it's about whatever's going on, and as soon as this thing is over, they won't be anxious anymore. But in fact, it just keeps traveling from one thing to another, right? For someone who has kind of developed a relationship to work as their escape mode, like I've dealt with some very successful men and women who, like you said, from the outside, they have it all together. They've built their own business maybe even. They seem very successful. But then they have no personal life, right? They're making no time for themselves. Their work has actually become a way of escaping relationships of all types, or they have only very superficial relationships. So if you have an inability to really connect with people, that can also be a sign. Uh, Obviously, depression can be a sign, spiraling in and out of depression, and there are chemical causes for depression that sometimes require uh, you know, medical help as well. But on the counseling side or the energy healing side, it's about f- depression can be like we have bouts of depression when something has subconsciously triggered a, a link to the trauma that we don't want to face. So instead we just sort of plunge into this darkness. And once we actually just face whatever it is we've been trying to push away and work to heal it and integrate it energetically and psychologically, we won't keep cycling down into those phases Um, and then of course any sorts of substance abuse addiction all of these kinds of things can all be signs of of unresolved trauma yeah 
you know, in our in our culture and 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 even globally, we get so accustomed to you become a teenager, you hit your twenties. This is mm-hmm. when you know people go to the club, they go to the bar, you start drinking, yes. and it's just what people do. And you don't realize sometimes that you you might be building that mask that you'll use, and never ever ever get down to the real work. That's again. right. You so might be you avoiding it. Yeah. Yes, you can gain you can gain that freedom. Now, how long, Lisa, does it take to work through the twelve healing stages in the book? And before you answer, this is why I'm asking this question. I've I've heard of people like if they, you go to therapy. A lot of people don't finish it, or if you buy a book such as your book or a self help book, some people will buy it and then they'll say to the author, "It didn't work. It didn't work for me." Yeah. And you say yeah. you ask them, "Well, did you do all the exercises?" No. I didn't do do any of them, or I didn't. How many people? So you, some people they think it's just too much work. It's just too much work. I just don't have time. It's just too much work. Uh, So that's why I ask that question. So people don't don't pull back, and it could be a part of them that just doesn't want to deal with the trauma. But how long does it take to work through the twelve healing stages in the book? Yeah. Well, I think the problem you mentioned is really prevalent for trauma survivors. It just feels too big, right? It feels like too much. So I'm trying to offer different options. Like you can just pick one and work with one, right? And and just decide what, what is workable to you. Can I do this exercise two minutes a day, right, for, for a month? Can I do it um, once a week? Just pick what works for you. You know, ideally it is meant that you work your way through all 12 tools, and I have a class to support people doing that if they want more support or private sessions. If you're doing it on your own, I suggest initially working with each one for a week or two, so it would take you 12 weeks or 24 weeks. But I do think the thing about the chakras that's so wonderful is that there's value in just picking one and just doing a little bit of work with it. Like I would pick one of the two that you already asked me about, root bowl or sacral lotus, because those are the two foundational energy centers. And if you spend even a little bit of time getting used to feeling those energies in your body, it will have an impact. And it, in a way... This is why a lot of sexual trauma survivors like to start that way. Uh, therapy feels too intimidating, perhaps, speaking their mm-hmm. past to a stranger in a room, right? Like that's kind of triggering. So this is a way to very gently begin to shift things on a level that can't quite be explained. Why does focusing on these energy centers begin to shift us uh, psychologically? It just does. It's an ancient healing art, and it will begin to bring things forward. And then maybe you'll feel like, okay, I'm ready to do the whole book, or I'm ready to talk to a therapist, or I'm ready to try some other group counseling or something like that. So this might be a starting point for someone Or for someone who's already done therapy, it might be a way of getting more into the body instead of your head and completing the healing in your body that you began in your head through talk therapy. You know, and I I, I cannot say this enough. I I mean, I've had times in my life, well, once when I felt stuck, and that's just a Mm. horrible, awful, awful feeling. No matter what you do, you just feel, I'm stuck. And I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out of this space. It's a horrible feeling, but that's you have to do the work. I would yeah. I would much rather do the work, deal with any traumas, than just be stuck. Or or you just yeah. keep you you go so far and you hit that wall, then you regress, and then you go so far and you hit that wall. Why not yeah. break through and just keep going, just keep yeah. going so you can live live in freedom. Now, what inspired you to write women's energetics, healing the subtle body wounds of sexual trauma and abuse? What what inspired you to write this particular book? And can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more? I know you started to talk about it earlier in today's show, but about women's energetics. Yeah, yeah. So that book is actually the prequel to Chakra Empowerment for Women. That was a free ebook that I posted based on workshops that I had done, and it is still available for free. It's a very small little book, but it's a way for people to test out is this kind of work right for me? And then it evolved, and I would say Chakra Empowerment for Women now, which has just been out for about six months, is, you know, it's a more um, evolved development of that work. So it's talking about a lot of the same things. But getting to, and it has more, the second Chakra Empowerment for Women has more depth to it in terms of really helping you dive into the exercises and pictures and all of that stuff. 
but then getting to women's energetics, this is how our energy shifts with our reproductive life cycles. For women, you know, we have the onset of menses. We have menstrual cycle every month for many years. We have pregnancy and postpartum. We have perimenopause and menopause. And we know all of these as medical events, but there isn't a lot of guidance out there around these as being, you know, also psychological events and also energetic events and even spiritual events, right? And so this is where there's a lot of teachings in ancient women's traditions around how our energy changes and how we can work with our energy during each of these phases for greater balance, health, and empowerment rather than viewing these things as things we should just like kind of take pills to get rid of the symptoms so they don't cause us any hassles in our life, we can relate to them as phases of our life in which we can embrace kind of a new kind of a new level of our feminine power and it's actually inspiring. In fact, all of them also create big releases of creativity in our lives if we relate to them that way. You know what's interesting? I'm listening to you um What's interesting to me, you said these are ancient practices. Mm. In the Western culture, and almost any culture, it's rare, at least in my experience, to hear. I know in Native American, the traditional Native American cultures, they, the, the, the teaching is if, if both the male and the female aren't equally empowered, then the whole, thing, the whole culture will suffer. It, they yeah. have to be equally empowered. The male cannot be dominant. The, the, it, it can't for the for the whole to be mm. healthy. But that's like the only place where I've ever heard that. Yeah. So in most cultures, it's the woman's supposed to get up under the man, and mm-hmm. God said so. That's that's really the message. And yeah. God said you're supposed to be submit and get up under the the man. Where are these cultures where you said these ancient cultures? I just think yeah. that's awesome to teach yeah. these these more deeper about women and our different passages yeah. through life. Where are some yeah. of these cultures rooted? Yeah. Well, and really I'm talking more about the energy medicine and spiritual traditions, which had plenty of sexism built into them as well, but they did honor that women's bodies and women's energy had some magic to them. So there were pockets within all of the mainstream traditions, right, that had more honor for women's energy cycles. So uh, in, in Tibet and in India in particular, and in Africa as well, there are energy teachings that really honor women's womb wisdom, this idea that it is, there's a very special energy related to that. And so there's energy traditions that honored that. Now, unfortunately, that didn't necessarily translate into you know cultural or social equality so i don't want to romanticize it too much right um but what i do think is interesting when you mentioned this native american quote and this idea these are also the cultures that had a very balanced approach to the land and the earth right there's just this Mm -hmm. understanding of balance and that's what we need to embrace we need to heal the feminine culturally and socially from my perspective in all of us men and women right like we really are all a blend of these energies we need to heal that in order to change our relationship to the earth and people around us that's part of this work um getting to the core of why so much sexual abuse and assault and sex trafficking occurs, how do we heal those underlying imbalances and wounds so it doesn't happen anymore, so no one wants that anymore, right? That's the bigger, the bigger energetic shift. And we have to do this work because our prescription pills and all these remedies that we run to, yeah. that we want, again, we want quick, quick, quick. I want it now, now, now. I don't want it to take, I don't even want it to take a month I want to snap yeah. my finger and poof, poof, there it is. We want it faster, faster. But this stuff we find, there isn't a prescription pill without side effects. So yeah. you, you, your vision improves and now your hearing's going. <laughs> yeah, we, exactly. We need something that's, that's, that is balanced and it's not going to, uh, you, you, heal, you heal your elbow and now your toe is giving you problems. So we can get balanced and real, real healing. Now, why, Lisa, is it important to empower our intent Mm -hmm. to heal? Yeah. 
Because our intention is, you know, from my perspective, working with our energy body, our intention is how we connect to our energy, right? And it's how, like, we put out a certain vibration. We carry ourselves a certain way, right? Like, you have tremendous power and positivity around the way that you present yourself, at least, you know, on this show as I'm experiencing you, right? But that takes effort. There's intention behind that. That's what you want for the show. That's what you want to share with people. So you're putting that into your energy field, and it, it, it travels out through the airwaves to everyone listening right so that is intention and it shifts our vibration and our energy so what the chakras are and working with our energy is it is another tool for fine-tuning your intention the vibration the energy that you're putting out in the world which impacts then the energy that you get back in the world it also builds your resilience your ability to handle whatever comes at you from the world because you have this inner source of energy that's fueling you. So that's what that's how energy and intention really connect for me. Mm. Now, is it really possible, if thinking of, of our listeners who are tuning in live, again, so many ways that people listen to off the shelf, um, and then people who listen to the show in the archives, is it really yeah. possible for people who might be in a position right now where they are, feeling a lot of anger or rage, or they're feeling a lot of, I mean, terror-type fear. Is it really possible to transform anger and fear? Can you really let it go? Can you really transform, I mean, yeah. rage and, 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 yeah. and tremendous fear? Yeah. Well, let's talk about rage. I mean, rage is a powerful, powerful force, right? It brings about change if we direct it. Uh, too often our rage just becomes directed into self-destructive behavior right at ourselves, right, self-sabotage or whatever. But if you take the energy of rage, this is what I consider navel chakra energy. It's very powerful. It's the root of personal power. And if you can sort of heal the pain around it and harness just that pure power, it is a tremendous force for change, whether that is about change in your own life or change uh, out in the world that you are contributing to trying to bring about, it becomes directed power. So the art of working with anger and rage is really facing the wounds around it for yourself and working to heal those wounds so you can transform all of that power behind that anger into active intentional power. Right, And that is, you know, if, if someone likes working with the chakras, that's navel chakra work that I'm often helping people to do. You know, it's interesting with sexual trauma survivors, I actually, when someone is very angry about their trauma, that is much more helpful to work with than someone who's never gotten angry about it because if mm. someone's never gotten angry about it not always i mean i'm generalizing but what i find if, if someone's like no i'm not angry about it anymore i've totally forgiven them if they've never owned their anger sometimes there's still some part of them blaming themselves right uh. and so you have to go through the phase of anger to kind of punch through that and reclaim your power then you can let go of the pain around the anger and it can just be power does that make sense <laughs> Yes, it does. It does. And, you, yeah. and, and anger is a emotion that women are taught. That's no women. That's aren't right. Little girls. Aren't yep. the boys can get angry and hit things, but not little yep. girls. So yeah. And that can hold back our power sense. in a lot of ways. Yes, yes. Can you give yeah. us an insight? We're coming down to about seven minutes left in today's mm -hmm. show. And, I, again, thank you for all you shared and going to recap your books uh, for our listeners. But can you give us insight into your seven session? How long are, is each session? How far mm -hmm. apart is it once a week? Is it once, a, once every other week? Or Can you give us insight into your seven session, seven session chakra empowerment for women course? Yeah, this is the second time I'm running it. It will be starting September 22nd. It's every other week for two hours, and then there's a private forum. And this is really to support someone working through a the book. So we're doing kind of two chapters. Well, the first and last class, we just do one chapter of the book, and in between we do two chapters per week. And then you're getting additional instruction in the techniques and additional support around things like women's energetic transits, if that's what you're dealing with for different phases of your life, sexual trauma healing, if that's what you're dealing with, manifesting and goal development, if that's what you're coming to the chakras for. So it's a way of working through the book um, in a more supported fashion, both with me 
and other women. And it includes a private forum, and I'm you know, constantly on there answering questions and that kind of thing. Mm. Now tell us about any other, if you offer any other healing services, I definitely, any of our listeners who might think, you know, yeah. I really could use help, whether they decide to postpone it or they want to get the help now. Are there any yeah. other healing services that you offer? Yeah, I offer some other workshops, and I offer private client phone and Zoom sessions. So those are available at enlightenedenergetics.com. So there's the book website, chakraempowermentforwomen.com, and then there's my client site, enlightenedenergetics.com. And on either one of those, you can find the workshops or private session work uh, and Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) I'm out there on all of those as well. Can you share one to two success stories? You know, we the success stories, we, we like to know this actually does work. Can you share one to two success stories where you've seen uh, women change after working with you or they, t- they tell you they read one of your books, they did the exercises, and this is, this is the breakthrough they got. This is how the benefit they got from it. Can you, can you share one or two success stories with our listeners? Lisa, interesting. <laughs> I may have just lost Lisa. Let me see if she accidentally. Yes, yeah, she 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 dropped. Hopefully, she will rejoin the call. Uh, I don't know how she dropped off the line, but we have been speaking with, and we're down to like the last four or five minutes, and hopefully, she can dial back in. We're speaking with Lisa Erickson, and she is the author of the books and the work she's done. Uh, Chakra Empowerment for Women, Women's Energetics, Healing the Subtle Body Wounds of Sexual Trauma and Abuse, and the Art and Science of Meditation. We really didn't touch that much on the Art and Science of Meditation, but for those who might have joined midway through the show, no worries. Once it's finished your streaming, you can listen to it in its entirety and its um, the archives. And we did touch on yoga, and anybody who's done yoga, if you are like an avid yoga worker, you you probably have firsthand, you don't need anybody to tell you, you've seen the benefits of working with yoga. And let me bring uh, Lisa back oh, in. It looks like you dropped off. Thank you for dialing back in. I'm I was so sorry. Asking I don't for, know what happened. <laughs> I, yeah, it just, it just, and I was asking you if you could share, uh, we just, yeah. uh, just have a few minutes left, but if you could share one or mm. two success stories with our listeners of where you've seen women change after working with you and, or after reading one of your books. Yeah. So the woman I was talking about had been abused as a child, and really she had chronic anxiety as an adult. So in work environments, she couldn't speak up for herself. She couldn't ask for what she couldn't ask, you know, for a promotion or even get the credit that she deserved. She would often change jobs because she would become too anxious. She would just hold back. She was a chronic people pleaser, just trying to say what everybody wanted to hear to stay safe. It prevented her really from moving forward in personal relationships. She also had issues with sexuality, um, she, with being intimate. So with her, we were really focused on those lower chakras, learning to help her deal with anxiety as it arose in her body energetically, learning to transform it in the moment, reclaiming her power and voice. And she really was diligent about working with the chakras and really experienced profound shifts in her life and her ability to speak up for herself to move forward in her career. And that's the kind of thing that I see. She had done talk therapy and she really had a lot of information about how she'd been impacted, but she couldn't figure out how to then change the way she related to the world in daily life, how to deal with anxiety when it rose up. And that is what working with the chakras can really help someone to do. Ah, now, now where can off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your books? They are available everywhere uh, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you want to buy it from an independent bookstore, you can go to IndieBound.org uh, and type in your zip code, and it will list the small bookstore near you that has it, which is always great to support them. Or you can go to the publisher, Llewellyn Publishing. Okay. Now, you said you're on the social media where people could maybe connect with you or follow you on social media. You're on Facebook, and where else are you on social media? On Facebook and Instagram, I'm on as Chakra Empowerment. And on Twitter, I'm on as Mommy Mystic, which is my blog name. Mommy Mystic. Oh, <laughs> yes, like my that. old blog. I like it. Okay. <laughs> we, have, 
we have really just been just blessed to have Lisa Erickson on here with us. She is a chakra energy-based worker, meditation instructor, and she works to help women heal from sexual trauma. She's the author of the books Chakra Empowerment for Women, Women's Energetics, Healing the Subtle Body Wounds of Sexual Trauma and Abuse, and the Art and Science of Meditation. I cannot overstress, and I think this, I think our our work as human beings to continue to see ourselves as limitless, at no end, I believe we're eternal beings. We never have an end. Doing this, doing this work to continue to break free, it, I cannot stress importance. I think it's ongoing. It it sure beats feeling stuck, and it sure beats having hidden wounds that kick your butt day and night, and you don't even know That's what's right. going on to do this work and finally get free. You can check Lisa out online at ChakraEmpowermentForWomen.com. And what was the other website you gave, Lisa? EnlightenedEnergetics.com, which you can also get from the get to from the Chakra Empowerment for Women. They're all linked oh. up together. <laughs> I encourage you to visit her and, and whatever path you take to our listeners. Do, love yourself and do that work. Do that work to go free. And I, I think it's life, lifelong work. It's not, oh, I'm finished with this and now I'm done. No, it just goes on and on and on. So thank mm-hmm. you, Lisa. I thank you for being here with us today with our listeners. And I thank you for the work you're doing. Oh, my gosh. Even if you just help 10 people go free and they have an impact on 20 people, I mean, that is just phenomenal you're just helping dozens and dozens and hundreds and thousands of people so thank you again to each of our listeners i thank you for sharing your saturday with me and with lisa and other listeners here on off the shelf this saturday morning thank you for being here and as i always tell you remember you are awesome you are incredible you are absolutely amazing go out and create a fabulous day for yourself today and please come back next saturday at 11 a.m where we will bring another awesome guest to share with you right here on off the shelf and encourage others who you think might benefit from off the shelf to tune in to off the shelf saturday mornings 11 a.m eastern standard time lisa i'll shoot you an email after the show finishes streaming thank you thank you again bye for now thank you bye <laughs>